The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information, please visit our website at www.ncuscr.org. I'm Dan Murphy, Senior Program Officer at the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and with me is Ms. Christine Lo, Hong Kong's Undersecretary for the Environment. She was appointed to this position in September 2012 after spending over 10 years as Chief Executive Officer of the Hong Kong Public Policy Think Tank Civic Exchange, an organization she founded. Today on the NCU SCR China podcast, Hong Kong and the Environment, Secretary Low, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, and congratulations on your appointment as Undersecretary. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'd like to start off with a general question: What do you see as Hong Kong's top one or two environmental concerns, and how will you seek to address them as Undersecretary for the Environment? Well, I'll choose the top two. The first one is air pollution.、Uh, we're very lucky to be in southern China, where the air quality is better than the national average. And I think just in the last、uh, month, in January of this year,、uh, there were. Uh, a number of episodes of extreme air pollution、um, in northern China. So、um, you can see this is a national problem, but we also have a, a serious problem in Hong Kong. The second issue is waste. Hong Kong has seven million people,、uh, but on a per household basis,、uh, our waste I think probably exceeds、uh, many many、uh, cities in the U.S. But we certainly do much worse. Than、uh, the people of Seoul, the people of Taipei, and the people of uh, Tokyo, uh, who are our、uh, our neighbors.、Um, so these are the two issues where we need to have very aggressive action. We need to have multiple actions, and we need to spend a lot of money. So on, on the issue of air pollution, are there specific air quality targets that you hope to hit in certain time frames? For example, for PM two point five or PM ten. Well, we have now、uh, proposed a new set of air quality standards, which includes PM 2.5 for the first time.、Uh, these have just been put to the legislature, so we will have to pass legislation to get them into place. We hope to broadly reach them by 2020.、Uh, we will review in 2015 to see, you know, how we're doing.、Uh, what is interesting is. We have an agreement with、uh, the province of Guangdong, our neighbor in southern China, where by 2015 we will reach certain targets, and by 2020 we will also reach、uh, another set of, of、uh, even tight, you know, even tighter targets.、Uh, these are reduction targets. So,、uh, you know, we have a lot to do. I want to follow up on what you just mentioned about the collaboration with Guangdong province. Can you share with us your assessment of Hong Kong's collaboration with Guangdong Province and the mainland more generally on environmental issues? What do you see as the top one or two areas where there's been successful collaboration, and what are a few areas in which you feel like better coordination is needed? Well, I think one area where we've really had some good、um, uh, successes that has become a, a kind of national national leader is in air quality. Uh, in 1999, so that's two chief executives, two administrations ago,、uh, but post 1997, uh, uh, when when、uh, Hong Kong became a part of China again,、uh, an agreement was made with Guangdong, where we would have uh, targets, uh, albeit voluntary, but you know, fairly serious targets for both sides to reach, and secondly, to put in place、uh, a network of air monitoring stations. So these are all now done, 
and the monitoring stations in Hong Kong and and southern China, uh, in in what we call the Pearl River Delta area, is the leading network in China itself. So I think if other provinces are looking at what they should, you know, what to do and how they should do it, then the Hong Kong and uh, Pearl River Delta network is you know is the front runner. And I think Guangdong and Hong Kong are very proud of that. It's releasing more and more data. I think the integrity of the data is pretty good. And because air pollution is one of those things where you really need to know where your sources are, and you know the chemical reaction amongst these sources, and how you're going to control to have a positive impact. Continuing joint research is a very important priority for both Hong Kong and Guangdong. And having agreed uh, targets that we both have to reach, both in 2015 and 2020, this have you know this has the effect of stiffening the spine. Uh, so uh, we we look forward to uh, continuing collaboration with Guangdong. Are there specific systematic differences in the way the Hong- that Hong Kong and the mainland are governed that maybe pose a challenge to collaboration on environmental issues? And if so, what are they, and how have they been addressed? Well, that's a really good question because whilst Hong Kong uh, is a part of China and has been a part of China since 1997. Uh, politically, we are structured as a separate system, a special administrative region in China. So our our laws,、uh, e- even our air quality standards,、uh, our administrative systems, they are different from、uh, that across the border in in, in Guangdong. So it, it's、um, there are some difficulties. Also, I think there are some cultural difficulties because of our you know our differences. Uh, but now we're 16 years from the transition.、Uh, I think、uh, we have built up a good foundation for collaboration.、Uh, so I, I, I think as we go forward, things should get better. Right. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about what some of the cultural difficulties you alluded to might be? Well,、uh, up until now, and the situation now is very much better because China is now releasing、uh, a lot of air quality data, and this is fairly new. It's it's all happened in in. In really the the last、uh, the last year,、uh, whereas I think Hong Kong has been more open with releasing data for a much longer period, and in fact,、uh, just a few years ago, air quality data is considered、uh, a kind of state secret in in China. So we can see nationally, China is moving beyond that quite quickly.、Um, I, I see more positive changes coming because air pollution is just such a major national、uh, challenge at the moment. So. We've got to tunnel past all of those things to do much better, but in Hong Kong, because of our more open system,、uh, these issues in terms of de- dealing with the mainland, they used to be more difficult as to how much data we can share. Whether if Guangdong showed us uh, 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 data, you know, to what extent we can show other people. So, but I think those are those days have 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 moved on.、Mm-hmm. Some people perceive a conflict between environmental protection and economic development. What are one or two specific environmental initiatives for Hong Kong that could also bring about economic benefit? And are there certain environmental issues that you feel Hong Kong should not address immediately because of the potential for harming the economy? This is a constant issue about、uh, whether protecting the environment is going to limit economic development.、Uh, in Hong Kong, I mean, we are very well developed now. Uh, we are also a very dense city, so in many ways, if you want to build more major infrastructure and so on,、um, well, y- you know, the constraints are real. So I think it's a very much a matter of the 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 community has to make choices. 
I mean, we can't develop in, in those ways where pollute, the pollution load is just added on. The challenge, I think not just for Hong Kong, but for you know, the United States and other places, is of course we want to develop. Uh, of course we want to increase our GDP. But the question is, can we develop sustainably? Which is that we make choices or we do things in such a way where it's less harm or no harm to the environment. Um, it's hard to conceive sometimes that development makes no harm to the environment because I think of our long-standing vision that development must mean that it's dirty, that it's polluting. So I think now we need to think uh, in, in, a, in a different way. But it is, of course, challenging because when we're looking at development, generally we need to – because it's, those officials like me who is responsible for, for the environment, we're not the ones – who are responsible for the classic type of development. However, if we look at the environment, if we look at the amount of investments the Hong Kong government is going to be making into putting a, 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 a better air quality, changing the, the diesel commercial fleet, uh, to investing you know, huge billions of dollars into uh, a waste infrastructure, then those are also things that powers the economy. They also transform the economy. They also create green jobs. So I think taken as a whole, we ourselves as public officials need to articulate the, uh, the benefits of investing in the environment and that these are green growth and green jobs much better. So you need to, what I'm hearing you say is you need to articulate the economic benefits, some of the economic benefits of investing in the environment. I think completely. Uh, and when, whenever I've gone and told people the amount of investments we're going to have to make to clean up, to make things better, people are impressed. So I think it's it just, I mean, we ourselves must be able to do the economic analysis, to be able to look at the, the jobs, to be able to articulate how cleaning up is going to lead to more sustainable development and sustainable growth. I guess traditionally we just haven't been too good in these areas. Right. You've been working on environmental issues in Hong Kong for decades now. How have the attitudes of people in Hong Kong toward the environment changed in that time? And how have these changes in their attitudes affected the way environmental issues are addressed? I'd say the last five or six years, there, there has definitely been a marked change. There are more, um, more residents and citizens and green groups uh, taking very active interest. Uh, they are questioning government more closely. The legislature, <coughs> I think, is much more concerned more broadly about environmental issues. Uh, they are becoming more hard uh, political issues rather than sort of soft issues. Uh, like they were, say, 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, when, when the community is more demanding, we have to up our game. Prior to your appointment as Undersecretary for the Environment, you worked as Executive Director of a public policy think tank, a legislator, and in the private sector. Has your new position in the executive branch led you to think about environmental problems and their solutions in new ways? If so, how? And if later in your career you were to return to a think tank or to the private sector, would your experience in the executive branch change the way you approached environmental issues? Well, if I can put it like this, I started my career as a, as a lawyer who never practiced because I went into trading commodities, so I was on the business side. Then I became a legislator, uh, again working on the political side, then on a think tank thinking about solutions to, to problems. Uh, I was very... Uh, uh, 
well, I, I took the opportunity to join the government when invited because I thought, well, you know, I spent all these years telling people what they should do. Now I have an opportunity to see if uh, uh, what I think ought to be done uh, can be done and how to do it. So I'm completing a loop in a way. I don't know what I'm going to do after I step off office from this administration. Uh, I really have no idea where whether I'm going to go back to the, to the think tank world. But I think for me personally, I'm completing a loop. Well, Christine Lowe, Hong Kong's Undersecretary for the Environment, thank you very much for joining me today on the NCUSCR China podcast. Thank you.